funeral service in Washington. Becoming your own lobbyist on Capitol Hill. A funeral radio special. With Robert M. Fells, Executive Director and General Counsel to the ICCFA. Well, hello again. This is Bob Fells, and thanks very much for uh, joining me today. This time, we're going to discuss, as in the subtitle of our uh, series here, how to become your own lobbyist, or more specifically, how to become your own effective lobbyist. Now, this may sound like pie in the sky, but it's a totally different animal than if I were to suggest how to become your own doctor, or how to become your own lawyer, or how to become your own accountant. I've tried plumbing a few times, uh, not too successfully, so I wouldn't even suggest how to become your own plumber because that is also highly specialized. But becoming your own lobbyist is really a, a different kettle of fish, if you will, or a different type of bird, and it requires a set of skills that chances are, if you're listening to me now on funeral radio, you probably already have it just simply because of what you do for a living in the funeral profession. That is talking to people, meeting people, trying to be informative, perhaps even persuasive. All of these are uh, skill sets and experience that you probably already have. So let's, let's start in as far as, well, how do you harness those abilities to become a lobbyist? Well, first of all, let me tell you very simply how you become a lobbyist. There's no test to become a lobbyist. There's no license to become a lobbyist. You become a lobbyist by saying that you are a lobbyist. That's all there is to it. To some extent, yes, if you are a professional lobbyist where you have clients who pay you money for your lobbying services, there are federal requirements where you must report these things periodically to the government agencies. Uh, you must uh, state who your client is, a company, uh, what it is that you have been retained to lobby, particularly if it's a specific piece of legislation, a House bill or a, a Senate bill, and then the compensation you received, the payment you received from your client or clients for this representation on this particular issue. But that's really a, um, a procedural matter. It doesn't affect uh, how you can become a lobbyist. When you lobby, of course, you're lobbying for things on your own. If you're just simply doing your own thing uh, for your own business, then that does not trigger these federal uh, reporting requirements because you're, you're not doing it as a separate occupation or profession. You're simply uh, doing your rights as a citizen of the United States and presumably a voter who is a constituent. You have one congressman or congresswoman representing you in the district that you live. And plus in your state, you have two senators represents you. So you have one representative in the House of Representatives and you have two senators in the U.S. Senate. And you have a right as a person, as a citizen in this country, to contact these individuals and express your concerns, your views on legislation or bills or even things that may not be the subject of legislation, but you feel 
should be. So perhaps you want to uh, encourage your senator to introduce a piece of legislation that is of interest to you that you think would be helpful to you and to other people. So uh, basically, a lobbyist is any person who simply contacts their elected representatives in Congress and seeks to um, persuade them on one matter to support something or to oppose something. You know, the, the term itself, lobbyist, is kind of interesting where it comes from. They say that President Grover Cleveland, who was president of the United States back in the 1880s and 1890s, he coined the term. President Cleveland would leave the White House each day and walk over to the Willard Hotel, which is right just a few blocks away from the White House, I think on something like 15th and Pennsylvania. I used to pass by it every day years ago when I worked in the District of Columbia. At that time in the 1970s, it was a kind of a sad sight. The Willard Hotel was all boarded up, and you could see it had once been a magnificent sort of Victorian-style architecture. But at some point in the 80s, I think, maybe the 90s, a company bought it up and restored the hotel to its former glory. So today you can walk into the Willard Hotel and see it much as uh, President Grover Cleveland must have seen it back toward the end of the 19th century. And it is the lobby of the Willard Hotel that we uh, have to thank for giving President uh, Cleveland his inspiration. When he used to walk into the Willard Hotel to go to their dining room for lunch, people knew his routine, so there would always be a few people waiting for him in the lobby of the hotel who hoped to approach him and to talk to him for a moment or two about some bill or legislation or something that they wanted to see either passed or perhaps that they wanted him to oppose and not sign into law if it reached his desk. So President Cleveland rather uh, contemptuously called these people lobbyists. There are a bunch of lobbyists waiting for me to pester me about one thing or another. Well, the term stuck, and while it may have been um, a derogatory term to begin with, it stuck, and now everyone calls them lobbyists, and I think lobbyists are rather proud of that name. But that's, that's how we got the term. Now, the most important thing in being a lobbyist is, of course, communicating. You can't call yourself a lobbyist if you don't actually lobby anybody in Congress for anything you might do. So let me let me give you a few pointers here that can help. And remember that as a constituent of your representative and your two senators, they need to hear from you directly. Don't let other people tell your story to them. And this is a, a point I'll be sort of harping on again and again in our, our discussions because, you know, they say that nature abhors a vacuum. And that's true. Nature will fill a vacuum. Nature abhors a void. And you create a void when you don't let your congressional representatives know how you feel, uh, not on everything, certainly, but on issues that would affect you, affect your business, affect your, your, your family. I mean, you really have an obligation. You owe it to yourself to let these people know. So the question is, okay, how do I go about doing that? Well, first of all, you know, everybody likes to knock Congress. And, well, I guess you can say there's a lot of things to knock Congress about. But one thing they have done, which I have to give them credit for, absolute high praise, high marks, 
And that is they have made it so easy for us, for you and me, to communicate with them. Very simple. First of all, you go on to your, 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 your internet site, whatever vehicle you use to get on the internet. And then if you want to go to your representative in the house, you simply type in to your browser house.gov. That's G-O-V, short for government, house.gov. And then the screen will come up and you'll see, let's say, let's start from scratch. Let's say I have no idea who my congressman is. I know I have one. I have no idea who he or she is. I'm not even sure what congressional district, what number I live in. So let's do the very basics. Okay, so you go to house.gov, comes up, you click on finding your, 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 your member. The simplest way is to enter your zip code, and you will be prompted. You don't have to figure this out. Enter your zip code, and then you will be given not only the name, but the link. You'll be given a hyperlink that you can click on that and will go right to the website, the web page of your representative in Congress, whoever he or she might be. You'll learn all about it. There'll be a nice picture of the person. Um, there'll be different sections, their views on different issues or what they're working on. Many of them have a newsletter. You'll be asked, do you want to sign up to receive their newsletter by email? You may want to do that. But the most interesting thing is contact me. That will be another link. And you click on that and you find that you can send a, a message of any length, really, you like, to your representative, to your congressperson in the House, about anything you want to talk about. It's very simple. You type in what you want. As always, we always say, be polite, be respectful. Keep it short. You know, the short messages are more likely to be read than something that rambles on and on. Uh, and maybe if you even just want to say this is the first time you're doing it, you might just want to say hello. I'm your constituent. I live here. I'm happy that you represent me in Congress. Thank you very much. And then type in your name. That's all it has to be. It doesn't have to be anything brilliant. You don't have to be asking for something or complaining about something. Just say, hey, I'm here. I guarantee you they'll probably follow up uh, at some point because they, they do actually want to uh, hear from their constituents. They want to hear for the people who, who vote for them. So that's how you, you get in touch with your, your congressman in the House of Representatives. Nobody sits down and writes a letter to them whenever I hear that. Well, I guess I better send a letter to my congressman. First of all, nobody does that. Everything is by email. There's also phone numbers. You can call your congressman. Now, to be clear, it's not likely the congressman himself will answer the phone, but there are staff who will answer the phone that report to the congressman. They keep track of constituents who call them, and your, your call will not be ignored or wasted. So you can either phone them or email them. Either way, it takes a couple of minutes, and you're done, and you will have been, in a sense, a, a lobbyist. Same thing on the Senate side. On the Senate side, you type into your browser senate.gov, same thing, G-O-V, short for government, senate.gov. Uh, in that case, all you have to know is what state you're living in, and again, click on your state, and they will give you the two senators, every state has two senators, they will give you the two senators that represent you in the Senate, and again, with hyperlinks, you can click on either or both, 
go to their home pages. You'll find out all about them, what they look like, what they stand for. You'll also see you'll be invited to contact them and to sign up for their newsletters. So same thing. You can send them an email. And if all you want to do is introduce yourself and say, hi, you're my senator. You know, thank you for doing a good job. I care about what you do. That's all you have to do. You don't have to, again, say anything particularly profound. So those are two ways you can start being your own lobbyist, and that will be uh, very effective. So Senate.gov and House.gov. There's a lot more to be said, but I think for this particular visit, I think I will limit it that just how easy it is to find who are your congressional delegates who represent you and the easy, easy way to contact them. Let me leave you with one anecdote. This this happened to me, actually happened to my wife, Maureen, just a couple of years ago to show you the power that you have to be your own lobbyist. My wife, Maureen, her, her mom was in assisted living, and this is in her last days. She was in her 80s, and she wasn't doing too well. And her husband was a dear man, God rest his soul. I was fortunate to have him for my father-in-law. He, uh, he was a veteran of World War II. In fact, um, his name was Tom. He, he actually was involved in the D-Day landings in Normandy in World War II. Anyway, um, we discovered, and he passed away back in 1988, we discovered that my mom-in-law, Maureen's mom, was, was entitled to a certain benefit, veteran's benefit, because her late husband was in World War II. So we filled out the paperwork and we sent it to the VA, the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. And then we waited and we waited and we waited. Maureen called, people were very nice to her and said, well, we're working on it, we're working on it. Months went by and this was, was frankly some support that uh, Maureen's mom could have used very much. So after several months went by and there was no action, uh, I suggested more. I said, well, you know, why don't we write email, actually, either or both of our, our, our senators? We live in, in Virginia. So we decided to contact Senator Mark Warner. And I'm naming him not to make him look bad, but actually to give him a little bit of credit. So Maureen sat down and she wrote a very nice, respectful, and rather brief letter to Senator Warner, explaining the situation with her mother and how some months have gone by and we've had no action from the, the VA. Well, she sent it out, and a few days later, uh, we did get an email response from Senator Warner's office. Uh, he signed it, but I'm sure one of his staff people answered the letter. It was a nice letter. It was sympathetic. They understood our concerns. But the, the bottom line was that maybe we just need to be patient and if we didn't hear from the VA in another six months, we should then renew our contact with Senator Warner. Well, this wasn't very satisfactory. I'm not sure really what we wanted from Senator Warner, but we just felt he was putting us off saying, well, wait another six months. Maureen responded to Senator Warner, and again, she wrote, this time, Maureen sort of, annoyed with the six-month wait business, said, you know, when my father went into the Army in World War II, this is what she wrote to Senator Warner, he didn't wait six months. When Pearl Harbor was bombed on December 7th, 1941, as everybody knows, her father went right to the, 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 the Army office and signed up. He didn't wait six months. 
And now, you know, his wife, his widow, needs some help, some benefits from the the VA, and you're telling her to wait for six months. Well, again, as I said, Maureen wrote it. It was a very respectful letter. It was polite, but it made it made that point. Well, within a day, we had an email response. It turned out that Senator Warner contacted the VA office that we were dealing with. I can't say anything spectacular happened as a result, but he let us know that he expressed his concerns and how we had been waiting and that the, the need was rather pressing under the circumstances. And uh, I don't know, I think that that may just be a coincidence, but it did seem to get things rolling. And as a as a result, within a couple more months, the requested benefit did come through. And I have to say, I think Senator Warner's uh, showing that he was interested in this with the VA people uh, certainly helped a bit. And that's all we really wanted him to do. We didn't expect anything great to happen. We just thought that a little nudge from a member of the Senate might uh, help move the bureaucracy along a little bit. And that's what happened. So that, that was a very simple thing. Of course, we thanked him very much for doing that. We were very appreciative. But that's a simple thing where Maureen, if you will, became her own lobbyist, contacted her senator, and did get some results uh, for her time in trouble. Didn't take her much time. It wasn't much trouble, but it did work. So I think applying this in our businesses, our business concerns and things like that, we should always remember that we can be our own lobbyist, and we certainly should. And it's very simple simply going to house.gov and senate.gov and and uh, letting uh, the people who represent us in Congress know our concerns and our feelings on things. I think that will do it for this talk. I've enjoyed this time. I hope you have. I hope you find it interesting and informative. And again, it shows you that we can do a lot for ourselves more than we may may realize. So thank you for joining us, and I'll see you next time. Bye.